Welcome to Mod Pod, Museum of Dance podcast, where we explore why we dance. I'm Hilary Palanza, your host. With us today are Janice Garrett and Charles Moulton. Award-winning choreographers, Janice and Charles are the co-artistic directors of Garrett and Moulton Production, a San Francisco-based performing arts organization that combines movement, music, and visuals into compelling and thought-provoking works of dance theater. Both Garrett and Moulton have long and varied histories as performers, choreographers, and dance educators, and have worked extensively throughout the U.S. and abroad. Janice Garrett is an internationally active choreographer and dance educator who began her career in New York as a dancer with Dan Wagner and Dancers. Honored in 2004 as one of Dance Magazine's top 25 to watch, Garrett has created more than 30 original works for her company and has been commissioned to create dances for companies and performance groups throughout the U.S. and Europe. Guggenheim Award winner Charles Moulton has enjoyed a career in dance, visual arts, film, and performance. He danced with the Merce Cunningham Dance Company from 1973 to 1976 and has created works for the Joffrey Ballet, Baryshnikov's White Oak Project, and many other dance companies in the U.S. and abroad. Since beginning their collaborative relationship in 2008, they have created nine full-length productions that explore the joys, sorrows, dilemmas, and complexities of the human experience. Sharing a vision of dance as a transformative medium that fosters community, Garrett and Moulton have combined 60 years of experience facilitating projects that reflect their passion for bringing groups together. Many of their productions have featured large casts of performers incorporating up to 40 dancers and musicians. Their work has received both popular and critical acclaim. Welcome to the Museum of Dance podcast, Janice and Charlie. We are so glad you could join us today. Thank you. Good to be here. Delighted to be here. We usually start off our podcast learning a little bit about what brought our artists to dance in the first place. Can you tell us about when you first started dancing and what it was about dance specifically that drew you in? I'm going to start off with that question. And um, I think I was five years old when uh, our family moved to a an area in, I grew up in Southern California, and we moved into a home that was next door to a man who ran a local dance studio. He was a wonderful man, and somehow I got interested in taking class, and that uh, that was kind of the beginning for me of learning about dance. I begged my mom to take dance lessons and dance classes, and finally my parents uh, agreed to it. I remember the first day I went to the studio I stayed in the back seat of the car crying <laughs> and they had to pull me out of the back seat to get me there. But once I got into the studio, you know, I just loved it. But it, it was always for me just a kind of fun thing to do on the side. I didn't I grew up in a family where um there wasn't a lot of access to the arts. Um my parents did take us to uh, theaters and, and to see movies down in, in the downtown Los Angeles area. We'd actually go to places like the Grauman's Chinese and the Egyptian Theater, which were these wonderful, had been vaudevillian theaters that were the, had been converted into movie theaters. And we used to go see musical theater films of musical theater productions like West Side Story in Oklahoma and, and was always completely enthralled with the dance and the music in those. But, you know, it was really just a kind of side entertainment 
kind of thing in my early life. Um, so it wasn't until I actually graduated from college that I started to, I returned to a place of thinking about dance as something that I could do with my life. And then just discovered that it was a, a thrilling pursuit, something that absolutely engaged every part of my being, my not only my mind, but my body, my spirit, and decided to really pursue dancing as a career. And I was 23, which was quite late uh, in terms of the scope of, you know, what many dancers start much earlier. And that was the beginning of it. I started uh, dancing mainly just for recreation outside of my full-time job that I had. And then I went to graduate school to get a master's degree in dance, thinking that I would teach. And then got really interested in performing and went to New York and ended up having a career in New York. So that was kind of the beginning of it for me. Wonderful to imagine you as a little girl being dragged into dance. <laughs> that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Charlie, how, how about you? Well, my my um, my grandfather was a vaudevillian and traveled around in the Midwest on the lowest level of vaudeville during the Depression. And my father grew up in vaudeville. He was a tap dancer, a very good tap dancer, and started earning money when he was eight years old for the family and being part of the family act. And so when my dad got back from the war, uh, he got an education at the University of Minnesota, but he was also always interested in dance. He himself was a director and a choreographer for both um, popular shows, musicals, as well as um, being keenly interested in modern dance and ballet. And he studied with Martha Graham. Mm-hmm. He would go to New York and take workshops, summer workshops with her and uh, choreographed works on the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. So I I was kind of steeped in it. As as a young kid, I I was in a lot of theater, uh, a lot of shows, but was really kind of more interested in athletics. And it really wasn't until I was about 15 that very, very interested in ice hockey. And I I sort of discovered dance kind of on my own in a way. At that point, started taking ballet classes. And then... um, uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I joined a small company in Canada, uh, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and then moved from there to New York and joined the Merce Cunningham Company. It's such a, a wonderful segue. It's, uh, first of all, wonderful to hear about how dance influenced each of you in your lives, both from a family, Janice, where you had you know little to no exposure in a way, and to, to you, Charlie, who your parents, as you mentioned, steeped in the, the practice and that you both were able to find find the form in your own own ways, and and then you both actually found yourself in New York City dancing for internationally renowned companies in the seventies and eighties. Charlie in the seventies with Morse Cunningham, as you mentioned, and Janice with Dan Wagner, um, and more artists included in there. So we'd love to hear what your experience was like dancing professionally in New York City in the seventies and eighties. I, I guess I'll take that one. You know, for myself, when I joined the Cunningham Company, I was 19, and it was an extraordinary opportunity to be around a great artist, to see how he worked, to be in his work. I had loved his work from the moment I saw it. I think equally important was, for myself, being in a community of artists, uh, Merce 
and John Cage surrounded themselves with extraordinary artists, uh, Jasper Johns, Rauschenberg, um, and many, many others, many, many, many others who were either composing for the company or making sets for the company or uh, were just around. Edward Gorey, the visual artist, was around all the time came to a lot of our performances, as did many others. And so just as a kid, it was really great experience for me to be around these people and uh, to see how they held themselves and, um, you know, how, how serious this could be, how important and serious this could be. Sure. Were you as a dancer included in the process or were you more of a bystander observing the artistic process of these masters of their... Well, the thing about Cunningham was that everybody was observing. You know, you didn't, you didn't hear the, the music until the first night that it was performed. <laughs> you, you, you weren't doing these kind of tech rehearsals that we have. The piece was ready on the first night that it was performed, the day of the first night that it was performed. There were, I, I remember when I was first there was a series of events six weeks after I joined the company and the event events were Merce would take his pieces apart and then put them back together in a new way, one of a kind way for, for an evening performance, all in different directions and in different configurations. And there was an artist, Charlemagne Palestine, who was a composer, but he had decided for the evening that he had been chosen to, to make music that he was going to be a performance artist. So he just came on stage a lot. He had a lot of, dolls that he was talking to um he smoked the whole time and it was just marvelous you know this idea that that dance could be an open door for all the other different types of of art that existed and we were all sort of you know dancing around barely holding onto our steps while this madman was you know smoking um, clove cigarettes and you know reliving his childhood with his dolls so if nothing else it was exciting yes sounds ex- incredibly exciting and as you as you've taken from you know this these childhoods of of training and and then performing as young adults in new york city you then transition to making your own work and both incredibly accomplished dance artists yourselves. You've built off of artistic collaboration starting in the 1980s and have created award-winning works for the stage. Can you tell us about your professional experiences acting as independent dance artists versus co-creators of dance works together? Well, I want to chime in a little bit about kind of dovetailing on the previous part of the conversation. I arrived in New York in the 1980s. It was a really exhilarating time to be in New York working, and both from the perspective that Charlie just articulated of these kind of master artists that we had the opportunity to be around, but also the quality of community that existed among the practicing artists, the other dancers, that we worked with and that we trained with and you know we were it really had the feeling of this very intense and wonderful community of people who were focused on um, honing their skills at, at the highest level so there was this wonderful quality of shared aspiration sure and just really striving together in a collective way 
to kind of reach our own highest individual and shared capacity, you know, as individual dancers, performers, dance makers, um, and also, you know, in dancing in companies, there, there was that experience of that you're really working as an ensemble to fulfill a shared vision. And that was a really wonderful and very profound experience for me of being able to work in that way. And I think that that then informed kind of the next step of my journey about then starting to be interested in making dances as opposed to being a performer. And kind of the first parts of that journey for me were just taking small steps of learning about dance making, making small studies, small dances in New York, and uh, then moving back to California and starting to make dances in both California. And then also I had, had through dancing with Dan Wagner, had forged a number of professional relationships in Europe and in London in particular, where I worked with, uh, Dan had become the artistic director for a period of time for the London Contemporary Dance Theater. So that led to a number of different opportunities to choreograph and work in London and and in Europe. And that was really where I began practicing my skills and developing my skills uh, as a choreographer. And after doing that for a number of years, then I began to feel a sense. I was I was then based in San Francisco and traveling to Europe a lot, and I started to have a sense of really wanting to make a home and gather my creative work in, in one physical center. And that was, was when I started to really focus more on making dances in San Francisco and working with local dancers in San Francisco. What, what Janice brought you back to San Francisco? Well, my my family roots are in California, and actually, you know, I'd I'd come to the Bay Area to go to university, and my sister actually was also had come up to UC Berkeley and was in school. And then my father uh, was transferred in his job from Southern California up to Northern California. So, during the years that I was in New York, the San Francisco Bay Area really became home for me. And, and so, as I say, when I started to have a feeling of wanting to center somewhere, it made sense to me. Um, and I've been very close with my family over the years that I wanted to be near family and to make the Bay area, the center of the work. We've all been so lucky to have you as our teacher. Oh, thank you. It's been (laughs) a pleasure. So this does kind of lead us to the next question, which was to, to if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about your professional experience as you started as um, an independent choreographer and artist, and then as you began to work collectively or together with Charlie and how that, um, how that changed the way that you, or didn't change the way that you choreographed. You know, my own trajectory as a choreographer was that I was a choreographer from the very beginning. So I'd never, ever thought of this as anything but manifesting choreography and manifesting my own work. I didn't ever really want to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how you learn how to be a choreographer, but it, it and I certainly enjoyed dancing, but it, my primary interest has always been choreography. So as soon as I left the Cunningham Company, I began um, just addressing my own work, my own concerns, and founding a place called Performance Space 1.2, and then... Um, creating works on my own company and many other companies and all sorts of different ensembles. By the time that I had arrived um, in the Bay Area and began 
working with Janice Garrett, um, I had made a lot of work. And what kind of was interesting to me about working together with Janice was that um, I, I felt that through our dialogue that uh, the choreography became more, it, it became, well, I would say it became a lot better. Um, that, you know, it, it, it felt that we had a kind of a, a similar way of addressing choreographic concerns. And as we worked together, uh, really from the beginning, our methods and our concerns complemented each other. So I felt that we were able to do stuff together that I wasn't able to do on my own. And so more and more we joined together and uh, created our organization and have been making work in this way ever since. I just want to mention here too that, um, you know, by the time I arrived in New York in the 1980s, Charlie had already founded his own company there and his work was was some of the work that I was most excited about and interested in. I always went to see his company perform and um, just loved, you know, what he was up to. (laughs) Very enlivening and just was always struck too by the humanity and the, just the vitality of, of the work. So it's been kind of a delightful surprise that, you know, we've all these years later that we ended up working together. Yes. Yes. And that sh- that still shows through and and is palpable and as an audience having been an audience member of many of your shows, um, the humanity, as you mentioned, is is so felt. So how would you, how would you both describe or each describe the nature of your co artistic work and and maybe what we mean by nature to elaborate on that is is um, sort of what what makes your work together yours versus other dance artists. It's always a hard, hard to put your finger on, you know, what your what makes your work what it is, and I think that that kind of question is is always ongoing. But I, I would say that we're very interested in creating works that have, at their basis, a sense of the way that human beings live their lives. It feels often to me that our works are both very personal, that we are both personally connected to them, and then intentionally general enough so that others may relate to them through their own lives. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I have felt strongly from the beginning of our work together is that as we work with the dancers and we... I mean, I started to say conceive of the work, but but there's a lot of feeling our way in the dark in the process of, of making the work or just following instincts and intuitions. But that, that the dancers are people and that we're exploring their experience as individuals and, and as groups in living the journey of, of life and and trying to understand what it is that we share as human beings. I think that we're both really interested in commonality and what unites us as human beings, what is universal, and to try to both share that 
in in the process of making the work with the dancers and then also for that to come across to the audience so that they experience that sense of of our kind of oneness as uh, a collective human family. Janice, you you also have studied math as an undergraduate at Stanford. Do you think your knowledge of math informs the way the choreography unfolds? Well, I don't think it's an overt connection for me. And in some ways, my my life, you know, as a student and when I was studying math, and I always had a very deep affinity for for math as a child. I mean, father said my father was an engineer, and and that was something that just kind of came naturally. The actual study of math doesn't ever enter into my mind as I'm <laughs> choreographing or when I was dancing as a performer. Sure. But, you know, as a choreographer and in the choreography that Charlie and I do, I think we're always working with space, time, energy. And I think when you, when you are studying mathematics, you're always working with pattern, space, you know, all these things that you're learning ways of perceiving and thinking about the world through the paradigms of mathematics that you begin to kind of develop kind of neural pathways, I think. So I think there are ways that my mind works that um, have just been deeply informed by that education that I had. And I'm definitely aware of, especially in, in choreographing things that involve large groups. And Charlie and I have worked a lot with large groups in our work, specifically with a form that we called a movement choir, where we can have up to you know 30 people say on the stage at a time and and in working with that there's a lot of negotiation of multiple bodies in space um, that require a lot of of management and orchestration and organization i also think my relationship to music i think math and music can you know can be seen as very very connected I experience the world as being kind of alive with rhythms and kind of wake up every day with lots of different rhythms and patterns in my mind that that I think inform the way that I think and work creatively. I'd be curious what Charlie has to say about that. You know, I, I would say that we're, in our work, we're concerned with progression of formal elements and the relationship of formal elements together, whether that's different ways of experiencing space, time, music. And I think that we're both very, very connected to music. So we we listen to a lot of music, we create to music, we work with composers. And ideas of proportion, development, modulation, permutation, these are these are things that that I think at some level do connect with different kinds of numerical ways of looking at things, certainly. But I, I don't. I don't think there's any. You know, we're, we're we're not creating works to the Fibonacci series. We're not using mathematical principles as a basis for what we're doing. Usually, the basis for what we're doing is some kind of intuitive sense of mystery or sense of wonder about something. We kind of go from there and see how the piece can speak to us and be itself. Both dance educators, your focus together has been fostering community and bringing big groups together. So we'd like to hear about beyond dance specifically that brings people together. What is it about the humanity of dance or that essence that you're exploring when you talk about dance that brings more than just the physical bodies together in the room? 
Well, I can, I can speak to this in terms of my work, Ball Passing, which was created 40 years ago, about 40 years ago. And it's like a giant human puzzle where people pass brightly colored balls back and forth to each other in complicated patterns. And uh, without the entire group, whether that's a group of three people doing it or a group of 72 people doing it, without that entire group being on the same page, the whole thing falls apart. So from the very beginning, when I was beginning, when I was beginning as a choreographer and making this work, the idea of cooperation became very important. Sure. And ball passing has been a tool for teaching all different kinds of non-dancers and dancers alike how to develop cooperation skills, which are not skills that are taught in our culture. We're not taught to cooperate. We're taught to compete. Yes. So that's how part of it relates. In terms of the work that Janice and I create together, I think many of our works are paradigms of what it is to be a community and how a community functions and works together. Sure. That makes perfect sense. Janice, would you like to speak to that as well? Well, I think there's something mysterious and wonderful that can happen when you bring a group of people physically into a room together. And especially when you have the intention, you know, that Charlie's talking about of exploring and expressing aspects of of community together. I think it's hard to kind of put a finger on exactly, you know, what that is and, and how that works. But I do know from so many years of going into a room with groups of people as, you know, as a student initially, as a student dancer, and then now teaching for many years, that there's this wonderful kind of synergy and kind of collective alchemy that that happens where people start to join together. It's almost like boundaries start to, to dissolve in a certain way that we begin to share in something that feels just, I think for many of us, deeply moving and compelling. And I think that because we live in a society and a culture that emphasizes so much about individuality, that there's a kind of maybe unspoken hunger that we have for that experience of coming together and communing. And I think that's the best way that I can describe it at the moment. Um, as I say, it's kind of hard to... particular way to describe it. Thank you. That was mm. really lovely that hunger for community and, and, and really as dance kind of reflects that from the beginning of time and it's in its best ways, bringing people together. We'd love to hear a little bit more um, about this collective process and experience that you call Charlie, your work in precision ball passing, so to speak. And it has become something that's highly um, regarded for you and your profession. So what exactly is precision ball passing? Well, precision ball passing, as I mentioned, was created 40 years ago. And it's a piece where people stand next to each other, pass colored balls um, back and forth. And if you imagined it as, as if they were all standing on bleachers, which they, they kind of are, they stand on platforms, it's kind of a wall of people. 
is what you end up seeing. And balls uh, in their arms stretching back and forth to each other. And the idea is that um, all of them need to uh, work the game together or the whole thing just falls apart. And what, what's been interesting about it for me over all of this time is that as much as we have these mechanisms for competition and, you know, we live in a meritocracy, we, we don't really have in the United States uh, a whole lot of cooperation, basically, uh, you know, with the ideas that we're all on our own. As much as we have that, it's been interesting for me to see how automatic um, cooperation is. That that people cooperate easily, automatically, and that um, it's part of our human nature to cooperate. Absolutely. So it it, it it's it's been interesting um, to to learn about that uh, over all these years. Oftentimes, we'll work with non dancers. Uh, we work with people from a wide variety of different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, different people from different, with different languages. It's been performed, uh, all over the world. And also then recently we've been working with, with kids in hospitals. And it's sort of kind of one of these things where it, it kind of comes naturally to people mostly mm-hmm. to cooperate and, and, and specifically to cooperate through this very playful, um, human puzzle that we're all working on together. It's not enormously serious. It's something that we can be serious about, yeah. but it's it's kind of a game in a way. And that sense of play then sets people free to have it be something that's special and have it be something that um, they feel comfortable being vulnerable within. Janice, we know that you've taken the, the, this ball passing work um, that, that Charlie has spearheaded to Uganda. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Charlie, that you've taken it all over the world. We'd love to know more about that experience specifically. Well, I have a very dear friend. She's actually someone who I went to graduate school and dance with, um, who founded a school in Uganda and when she founded the school, um, she was reaching out to people to come and do residency work with the kids. And this is a middle school, uh, so it's middle age, middle school age kids. Um, and um, I was really interested in going to do the work and specifically to go and use the ball passing work to it kind of explored these things that Charlie was talking about in the, in the context of the Ugandan culture and was, I think went with the idea that I was going to work with the kids on this idea of cooperation and team building. And that was certainly part of, of the experience. But I think the thing that was most striking to me about that experience in working with those children was that they have, first of all, 
many children in Uganda do not have access to education, and that was why my friend founded this school. And I think you know they're they're making strides in that direction. But I think just being able to be educated is a great gift in in that culture. And a lot of the education that has transpired to date in Uganda has been through. A, a, a system where the kids are doing a lot of kind of mimicry in, in their learning. So as we worked with the kids with the ball passing, we were doing also a lot of improvisational games. And I went with a friend of mine who's a composer, musician from London, and um, he also was facilitating a lot of rhythmic and musical kinds of games with the kids using the balls. And one of the things that came out of this was that over time, as we worked with the kids, they began to really discover their own imaginations and their own creative capacity to kind of develop patterns with the balls and to, to develop kind of musical or rhythmic patterns. And, it was so exciting to see them discover their own creative impulses. And, and really that was for me, the, the most wonderful part of, of that experience was, was using ball passing as a springboard to then facilitate these children discovering their own creative capacity and their own, also their problem solving abilities because they were really learning that they, Actually, as Charlie said, these are kind of some of these things come just naturally if we create the right environment for them to arise. So that was really a lot of what the experience in Uganda was about for me. So in a way, if I'm, if I'm hearing this correctly, this, this practice has the capacity both to celebrate community and encourage sort of this individual um, understanding or expression, so to speak, of, of um, the, this journey or this pathway that you, that you brought about in, in Uganda, Janice. Well, I think it's a really recursive kind of event in that as the kids in Uganda created their own patterns, then they would bring that back to the group and the group would then integrate that. So it it goes back and forth between the individual and the group. And that's kind of a wonderful flow between the individual impulse and the creative, the collective impulse together. Sure. And, and such a good um, segue to our next question, which is about this back to sort of not to sling you back too far, but back to your company practice about working with individual dancers and, and this individual process versus the group process as dancers have to find their own rhythm and timing and so to speak in the solos, but then in the group work that um, has been um, one of your signature things on the stage, especially recently with these movement choirs, both have to happen simultaneously. So we'd love to know um, how you've seen dance transform your your dancers, your professional dancers, perhaps your students, and maybe even your audience members in this in this way. Well, I think, you know, um, we are gregarious. Um, people are gregarious. We're group-oriented, and we have these marvelous abilities to cooperate uh, we have and to take each other farther as a group than we're able to go as individuals I, I know that you know when I was in New York taking class I would take class with a teacher called Maggie Black 
who was a, a ballet teacher and taught a lot of professional ballet dancers from American Ballet Theater and New York City Ballet, and then modern dancers like myself and Janice as well. And what happens is that when you get into a large group with a shared intention, you get carried by them in the same way that that geese fly in groups to improve their aerodynamics. People do things in groups to be able to achieve something uh, together as a group that they couldn't achieve as individuals. And so that ability of the energy of the group to take us beyond our limitations is, I think, what, what begins to happen in dance. And I, I, what I've responded to and feel that Janice responds to very much is that trajectory of growth. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And the capacity for the human body and the many ways in which it can move physically, I think, just watching your dancers literally fly on the stage is mm-hmm. a testament to that, I think. Do you think dance has the capacity to bring to bring healing um, or to bring progress to, to larger groups? I think it absolutely does. I mean, we've certainly witnessed it in, in our work with, with both artists and, and then also, um, you know, with, with people who are not dancers, not artists. And I think maybe Charlie can speak to, to that part of it since he's worked uh, quite a bit with the children in the hospitals. And also he did a project with ball passing where he was working with um, you know, bankers and he's worked with, with people of all different, you know, walks of life. Charlie, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, you know, I I, I think that we're just like very big honeybees in a way. You know, we make these big cities and we make these institutions and we have these cultures and the cultures are all remarkably different with different values and different ways of looking at things. And a lot of it is arbitrary, I think. I think culture is kind of... Um, it, 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 you know, legal systems kind of are really different in different places. There's not one legal system. Mm-hmm. But one of the, the things that is interesting is about how I think through uh, the arts and through the performing arts, music, theater, dance, opera, that there's a kind of way of being together in which in the best instance, we're reimagining ourselves. Sure. sure. And that by reimagining ourselves as a group, we're, we're able to support ways of thinking and experiencing ourselves and our communities that are humane, that are oriented towards the growth of our human potential as individuals and as communities and nations. Thank you. So I, I think it's I think this idea of imagining together mm-hmm. is something that the arts do and they create a space where it's possible for us to imagine ourselves and each other in in new ways that are separate from our brick and mortar lives 
that are so seem, seemingly ingrained. Change seems so hard. I think this is a beautiful and essential part of human nature, without which we're, we're not human. Janice? Yeah, well, I was just thinking about how, f- from my earliest experiences of, of witnessing art um, as a child, and, and like I said, you know, going back to the days when my parents used to take us to see these wonderful musical theater films, and, and then also when I, after I graduated from college and was going to see a lot of dance before I moved to New York, what I experienced was that it transported me and it took me to a completely different place in my awareness and understanding of myself and the world. And I felt uplifted by it. I felt hopeful, vitalized, encouraged. My imagination was sparked. And I think that that the performing arts and the arts in in general and maybe dance specifically really have that potential and capacity to really lift our spirits and and to transport us to places where we can activate our imaginations to address even the most seemingly intractable problems that we face in our human lives. And I'm kind of in an an interesting place now. You know, we're in the midst of this pandemic, which has hit the arts, especially, you know, it's hit the arts in a a, performing arts in a very hard way. I think the world in a very hard way. And yet I feel quite hopeful that through all the different kinds of human endeavor (laughs) that that all of us on the earth um, are being called to to activate ourselves to right now that that we can emerge from this and other challenges that we're facing um, with kind of a, a renewed spirit so so with that with the pandemic and um you know, being unable to enter the studio or the dance classroom um, in the way that you were just, you know, however many months ago. I think I spoke to one of your dancers in late November who had just finished up a wonderful show of yours performing um, in the theater. Um, How are you able to focus your current artistic energies um, right now with with the pandemic and, and the way that society is currently operating? Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, it, it's, you know, while it, it, it's very difficult for the people like ourselves and for all the choreographers and dancers who depend on each other and being in the room with each other to be so separated, that's that's been very, very difficult. Um, and yet for myself, it's also been really interesting. I'm, I'm a visual artist as well as a choreographer. I've been exploring the many extraordinary natural spaces that we have in the Bay Area. There are many regional parks. There are many open areas where there's nobody there. There are just very, very few people there. And I've been wandering around taking a lot of photographs and making drawings and doing interesting stuff. So it's really been a time out for all of us and we've i think we're all looking at 
really what are our impulses? How are we thinking about these things and how can, how can our work move forward? Um, and um, Janice, can you speak to the dance projects that we're working on? Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to just also finish off a thought having to do with, with your visual art. One of the things that over the last couple of years we've been, I want to say, kind of peering over at as a possibility yeah. is, um, you know, trying to work more specifically with integrating some of Charlie's visual work with our stage work. And I think that we're being given an opportunity right now to explore that more. I mean, we're definitely talking more about things we can do with the photographs, the drawings, all these different wonderful creative works that, that Charlie's been generating really for numbers of years. Um, so in the limitation that is being imposed upon us by not being able to go into the rehearsal studio, not being able to do live performance in theater, I think we're, we're being given kind of a, an unsolicited gift <laughs> of, of being able to um, maybe start to open doors to these things that we've been considering or imagining might be areas of interest. So that's on the, on the, on the docket for us. Um, in addition, we have begun just in the last couple of months to like a month and a half, maybe um, to gather with our dancers in our backyard. <laughs> uh, and and we, we realized that, you know, as the months were ticking by and not being able to, you know, to resume rehearsals with the dancers that we started to think, well, what can we do and where can we do it? Um, and we do have, we're fortunate to have a backyard here in Northern California. And um, so we thought, well, we can bring the dancers together. So we've been working on a series of um, video postcards, short video works that we're doing with the dancers in the garden um, that we'll distribute online. Um, and that's been kind of a wonderful way to get back into working with movement. Um, we have rehearsals on Zoom, and then the dancers come over to the garden and we kind of work with the movement vocabulary that we've been generating through the Zoom rehearsals. Also, Charlie is the videographer and the video editor. <laughs> so um, that's kind of a wonderful new frontier as well in terms of working with that. And we've also been working with wonderful uh, musical collaborators. Um, our friend Lenny Pickett um, has composed the first video uh, piece for us. And we're starting to work on another project right now with Mark Mellitz, uh, who's a, a composer wh whose music we've used in a number of our full-length works. So we're kind of getting the motor going and going in some, some new directions there that, that's exciting and fun, and it's just fantastic to get back together with the dancers and, and also for Charlie and I to get, get back into our working together mode. It's just delightful and very life-giving. Yes. I just brought a huge smile to my face thinking of you dancing in the garden. <laughs> what a wonderful thing to um, be doing and to, to actually take um, these challenges and, and use them for a, a different sort of artistic unfoldment with the visual work. We really look forward to seeing that evolve um, over time as well. So great. 
So Janice and Charlie, um, our time is, is a little bit up, um, but we just, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with both of you today. And, and we very much look forward to following and supporting the stages of your professional work as they continue to unfold. Well, thanks so much, Thank Hillary, so much. And, and all the best to you with the Museum of Dance. We're very excited to see how you continue to develop what you're doing as well. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization. We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram.